I watched Fear today. And awesome. Thank you. I, I take it that was a very uncomfortable shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, as you can see on camera there, it was very cold. Um, yep. And surprisingly enough, if you live in Southern California, that is only 60 miles north of LA in an really? area called, yeah, in an area called Fraser Park. So it's right up to five. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, one of our producers, Anna Bradley, she lived in that area. And, you know, the story, I wanted to have something pretty crushing in the environment to really kind of give it another feel, you know, aside mm -hmm. from like, you know, either taking place in a house or like in a dilapidated city or just the wilderness by itself. Um, you know, that snow that, you know, that isolated cold feeling that you can kind of layer on with like the other mounting problems that these families mm -hmm. are dealing with. So uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting then, but I mean, we were fortunate to be able to find a location where it was a Girl Scout camp called Camp Lakota, mm -hmm. and they had a house slated for demolition. So we were able to go in and just do pretty much whatever we pleased to that house to really just bring the production value up to a point of making it look like just a transient squatting, terrible looking spot that people had just been in and out of constantly. So what was the plan for that had you not had the... Uh... The, the house that was ready for demolition was it to do it on set or to find or to rent some place that you'd have to be careful about your your uh staging sure sure i mean we had talked about possibly building certain sets uh mm. we do have a small studio space roughly around nine thousand square feet that we could have done a few rooms in it just would have limited uh coverage pretty significantly mm -hmm. i mean whenever you flip that camera wherever the world is you know, if you only got two walls, then, you know, clearly you can't make too many moves. Yeah. Um, we did talk about that. There was another talk uh, that we had our, um, our director of photography, Jimmy Matlos, uh, goes up to Idaho pretty regularly. And he said he had some contacts up there that he could talk to. And there was um, a few ran down cabins and a few like even old, I believe he called them like old resort lodges mm -hmm. that uh, almost like the, I guess like the shining, if you will, too, where, yeah. you know, we didn't need something that big, but um, there was options for that as well. But that starts to get into, you know, travel gear, et cetera. And you're already talking about a harsh environment up there as well. So that's a lot of stress on, on the travel, getting like vehicles up there. So we were fortunate to be able to find uh, the location we did, which was so close to LA, plus for the travel factor too. Mm -hmm. uh, tell me about uh, staging a film when it's actively snowing and you've got like about six inches on the ground. How much of a task <laughs> is that to get done? Well, you know, we were scheduled, the way we were scheduled on our shoot was in January of 2019 and it hadn't snowed that much up there. It was cold, it was bitter, brisk and cold. But it hadn't snowed that much. So, I mean, we did have some snow on the ground, but it just wasn't really coming down. That shot where I'm pulling, spoiler alert, I'm pulling a body out of the house and Marcy is waiting for me by the barn. That was our first day and it dumped on us. Like, it, I mean, we probably got a foot and a half, maybe two foot of snow that day. And it was beautiful. It looked very cinematic and it was just coating everything. Uh, it's tough. You know, everybody's got to try to stay warm to the best of their ability. Uh, you want to keep people out of the elements. So you got to make sure you've got areas for people to just go and kind of warm their hands up quickly or just duck out of the elements so that they're not just completely drenched in snow because that stuff turns to water. Um, plus, we had a, a great production office that wasn't too far away that you could run in and get warm. It was nice and cozy in there. But then with snow comes the biggest issue of continuity, because after that first day that it dumped, 
I mean, it started to heat up. So a lot of that snow started to melt off. And I mean, it's going from, you know, like this stark, bleak winter landscape to like, oh, it's spring now in like four or five days. So we needed to do our best to try to pick off pieces that still had some of that remaining snow around. And it was starting to get tricky because like there was only so many areas where the shadows were still kind of like trickling over the mountain and, you know, little snow banks were still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell me some, do, uh, do you have your, do you and the crew do like calisthenics in the morning? I know some shoots <laughs> I've been on that I'm used to training in the heat, but I can't imagine trying to train for like a snow shoot. So, but I like calisthenics, making sure everybody's like ready for just the physical toll that it takes to work in like snow and a wet environment and black ice, yeah. and not knowing <laughs> right, if your next right. step is going to land you on your ass or <laughs> exactly uh, we didn't have we didn't have like group calisthenics or anything like that uh, we again fortunate were we had a small production office but we had multiple cabins that we could put everybody mm-hmm. up in so people could sleep on site which was so clutch for our shoot due to the fact that you just have to deal with travel time when you're that far away and people mm-hmm. coming even from 30 minutes away if you know just that extra 30 minutes of getting up out of bed and just being able to roll out, grab something to eat and then walk on a set is a completely different energy that people bring to the table. Um, so we are fortunate to have that, but now I think everybody just had their, their, uh, their get up and go on their own. They had their coffees. Um, uh, Ali Sayago, our, our uh, uh, key grip, she, she was fantastic. Like she was going on little mini runs and things like that. So uh, Marcy Miller, who plays Joe in the film, I mean, she would go out and just take photos in the morning with her coffee and just kind of, you know, take in the scenery because, you know, it is a very, very beautiful landscape up there, mm-hmm. but there was no, there was no group, uh, there's no group exercises, just you gotta, <laughs> you gotta find, find your own, uh, excitement there. Uh, since you did luck out with, uh, some locations and some things working out really well, were you able to funnel some of the budget into other things like makeup effects, uh, stunt training, stuff like that? We, we were, very, we were very modest on the budget, mm-hmm. you know, indie film, you're always looking to make every buck stretch. So yeah. uh, the, the little extra we did have, we put into some of the VFX uh, to add snow in places where there wasn't any in shots where it just looked completely different. So we mm-hmm. needed to do that. Um, we have a finishing shot that we needed to incorporate some VFX extension to something that wasn't even there. Uh, so that went to that part of it. But for the most part, we made every dollar go to where it needed to go. Um, th- there was no like, hey, we've got an extra this, you know, what mm-hmm. are we going to do here? I mean, if anything, it was always, okay, how are we going to do this here? Because, you know, it's just um, make- making film is an expensive endeavor when right. you have um, a lot of hands and especially professionals and people doing fantastic work and you want to take care of them. And, uh, you know, um, also rentals. I mean, you know, bringing different set pieces in and, you know, from wardrobe and makeup and prosthetics, it just, it takes its toll. Uh, what was the film shot on? Uh, Alexa mini. So really? the Alexa mini and yeah, yeah. The Alexa mini, we had that. It was a, uh, it's not the large format Alexa mini. And I believe we had the cine prime lenses on there as well. Uh, didn't necessarily give us a total anamorphic look, but we were able to go a little bit wider. Jimmy would be able to get more technical, our director of photography on this with you, but we were able to at least get a lot more of the scope. And when we needed to punch in for those tights, one second, sorry, I'm getting notifications here. Apologies. Um, when we needed to go in and really kind of cover a lot of those mediums and close-ups, uh, we were fortunate to have a small jib set up, this really small crane set up on this cheese grate dolly. 
and it was on a little bit of track and he had these wheels that he could run a gimbal off of with the Alexa mini inside of. So we get some beautiful moves when we'd be, you know, panning right to left. And like, you know, when we'd be raising and craning up, we get some nice tilts and really smooth and just give it that extra cinematic feel to it. For an indie film, you've, you've got a lot more uh, technical filmmaking in this than most productions do. I'm, I'm surprised. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, we have, we have great, we had great people on the shoot. You know, a lot of the folks that we brought on were friends and people we'd worked with in the industry that, you know, just bought into the vision and, you know, enjoyed the mm -hmm. script and really just wanted to elevate it. And um, uh, the executive producers, Blair Pennington and uh, Lucas Solomon, they brought a majority of the gear to the table because they've been accumulating gear over the years. And that's where action figure entertainment, our production company brings a lot to the table as well as we don't have to push too far into the rental department to go out and get a lot of extra pieces. We have a lot of that on hand. So that is definitely a big feather in our cap for sure. Uh, what can you tell me about the casting? Did Were there certain people that were in mind for certain roles or was everything casting just through a casting call? Uh, I mean, I initially had, I, I had Marcy Miller in mind for Joe when I was writing the script. Uh, Marcy and I'd worked together on a film in 2015 from our Vista called Most Likely to Die. And Marcy's fantastic. Uh, she's great to work with on set. She's such a professional. And when she's working, you, you know, your eyes are always on her, whether you're watching her through monitor or you're just watching her work. And um, we also did another Star Wars short uh, around 2017. Um, and I just became friends over the years and just always, you know, followed each other's work. And then she got on days and I did a couple episodes on days. And I, when I finished the script, I sent it off to her just you know, fingers crossed. Hey, Marcy, I, I wrote this and, you know, check out this Joe character. You know, I, th I think you'd be, I think you'd be, you know, great for this. And fortunately enough for me, she enjoyed the character and wanted to play it. Um, the other characters in the film, we did a little more of the like traditional, if you will, casting with bringing on a casting director and then putting out some breakdowns and seeing who was submitting and whatnot. Uh, we didn't really have any anything as far as like, you know, people we were going after again on the indie scale, you know, budget was so tight. There was an extra uh, fundage to go and say, grab a name, if you mm -hmm. will, and say, oh, this person's going to, you know, kind of anchor down this character and it's going to be a small cameo, but it'll help with either, you know, international sales or pre-sales. That wasn't even an option. Um, but the, I think the pleasure about going the more traditional route and, and at least what we really enjoyed on our end was seeing these amazing actors and also myself being an actor looking at it from this side of the business of seeing people sending tape in and really seeing who pops initially off the read who's connecting with the material who's giving you something that you um, immediately are getting some kind of a response of "Ooh, i'm going to continue watching this that that was a really interesting process but uh it, like for tapes like cc kelly's and susan Harmon's, i mean it was immediate as soon as you saw them you just were glued to their performance they were committed they were completely dialed in and it was hard to look away uh danny ruiz was a fantastic find as well because he just had this very sweet like innocence to him but in the story he needed to grow up very fast throughout mm -hmm. the film and he he held that very well in the audition uh, Justin Dre, who came on in, I would say, the 25th hour because we we ran into some snafus, did an amazing job playing Lincoln. Uh, I mean, Justin is a fantastic character actor, and what he was able to bring to that character in a very short amount of time was extremely impressive. He's just he's a professional, and it's it's it was great to watch him work. Um, Ivana Rojas was fantastic. Her and Marcy's 
chemistry in the pool scene and and how they you know were going back and forth it was fun it was it was organic it felt like they'd been friends and they had a history so it's always fun to see when you find people that are just so good at what they do. And what I mean is, you know, playing make-believe, if you will, <laughs> and, uh, you know, putting them in those roles and then just, you know, you give them little nudges and just say, hey, go play. You know, mm-hmm. you've already got the chops. Go have fun. Uh, what's what's your um, advice for filmmakers that, ha- that have an indie film and they're trying to shop it? Uh, what is the best route for them to go right now to try to get that attention they need for distribution? Wow. I mean, great question. Um, this is the part of the business that, you know, Blair Pennington and myself, Lucas uh, focuses a lot more on the production and the pre-production side of things. But Blair and I went and we were hitting the film markets. We were going to AFM. We were going to TIFF. We were going to Cannes. And this is difficult on the indie side because these are expenses that you're incurring. These are plane mm-hmm. tickets. These are hotel costs. These are, you know, these are dinners. These are lunches. You're, you're talking with people. You're having these conversations. Um, I will say without us doing that and meeting the people that we did and getting the attention that we did, and I'm talking literally soap salesman type stuff. We walked around Cannes, the Palais with an oversized iPad going from booth to booth to booth going, we'd love to show you our trailer. It's a survival feature. Can you give us a couple minutes? That's all we did and we would just start playing the trailer form and you know sometimes they'd be like ah get out of here and sometimes they would get you know brought in within the first 10 seconds or so Mm -hmm. and you know that's part of this business it is rejection it is you know pushing your way through you know uh, the nose and just you know being as enthusiastic after the 99th no to be excited on the 100th maybe Mm -hmm. so that's what we did um now if if I had to give advice to someone that was going out and trying to shop and look for distribution, I would say definitely try to tap your network to the best of your ability. Ask anybody that has distributed a film, how did they do it? How did they find either a sales agent or a distributor that got interested in their film? Kind of reverse engineer their process a little bit. If somebody were to listen to me and say, well, Jason, I can't go here and go there and go to TIFF and AFM and can't, I would say, I understand completely here's some sales agents that I met after I watched, let's say their trailer, or let's say I watched their film. Let's say we watched like a private link to it. I would do my best to try to help somebody connect with those people because filmmakers for the most part, this is, it's a tough industry. It's a very tough industry because you're essentially not selling something tangible all the time. You're selling a dream. You're telling a story and your hope is that it's going to connect and resonate with an audience. So you're only as good as say either the execution of the idea or maybe the end product because the idea can be fantastic, but then you have to turn that all around and actually show a physical product in a trailer or a film at the end of that. So that would be the way I would approach it is, you know, try to tap your network, talk to the people that have done it. If you have those connections, reach out to them, maybe they'll get back to you and maybe they won't. That's unfortunately the, the, that's something I don't really like in our industry too much is it, it's just kind of commonplace to be like, oh yeah, I just won't even respond to that. So it's a waste of my time. Mm-hmm. I try my best to do the due diligence of at least saying, hey, thanks for reaching out. We're not looking right now, but try back in a little bit, you know, or like reach back out in a few months or something just to show you that your time was validated in reaching out because I believe everybody's time is important. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been on the other side of that where, I, I mean, you know, just emails fly into the ether and you never know what happens to them. Like, uh, I guess they just did, didn't read it. 
Uh, did I answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> I, it's, okay. it's the All same right. thing when we get, uh, on my side, when we get 10 emails a day, just like trailers, yeah. uh, uh, interview pitches, set visit pitches. It's just like, I can't do everything, but I try my best to pick out like stuff that I think an audience would be interested in, like, like yeah. fear. So yeah, I try to get to everything I can, but there's just so much. The indie film market right now is so flooded that it's impossible yeah. to give everything the attention it deserves. And it, yeah. it's unfortunate, but there's just so much, like everyone can be a filmmaker now. It, it's They really can. I mean, it, and plus, you know, software is getting cheaper. Cameras are getting mm -hmm. cheaper. The ability to shoot something is getting cheaper. So the, the, it just, I guess, matters on your level of what you want your final production to really look like. You can shoot mm -hmm. it on an iPhone. You know, you don't have to hire a you know professional production sound mixer. You can, you know, get like a little sound station that kind of records audio and you can try to clean it up in Premiere later. Yeah. Um, you know, there's so many ways that you can do it now, I, I imagine. And we saw it at the markets. I mean, you've got features with budgets, you know, that are, are, are very modest. And then you've got, you know, the big blockbuster stuff. But there's tons out there. There's like this broad spectrum it's there's a lot of stuff out there yeah yeah so if, if someone doesn't hear back it's always worth it that second reach out just yeah it, sometimes it all it, sometimes it just takes that personal touch because a lot of sure. the pr emails are kind of like all the same it's all hey mike uh i thought you'd be interested in this and that email shows up 20 times for the same movie or for a different yeah movie. It's always uniform but if you have that like little touch of like just one person involved with production just emailing out saying hey uh would you be interested in talking to me or talking to whoever about this i'll i'll gravitate more towards that because so i'll be like yeah. okay you seem like you're not just using me as a platform you're actually trying to make that connection of sure the promoter and you know the film which is it goes a long way it really does <laughs> yeah yeah i agree i agree so it's um it's it's, it's a tough it's business yeah, it's tough to get people's attention. You know, yeah. I mean, we, and especially as we move faster and faster, content's coming at us quicker and quicker. And, you know, if you're not gripping people, you know, I, we saw it uh, firsthand, you know, with our trailer, there were times where um, if they weren't hooked in the first uh, five to 10 seconds, we knew, we knew that yeah. they just weren't interested. And, you know, we, we kind of found like there was a sweet spot, like around, if we got them beyond 15 seconds, they would watch maybe 40 seconds. And then most of the time they knew within the first maybe 20 seconds if they were interested or not, because they would tell us, you know, they'd say, hey, I want to talk after this, let it go. Or, you know, let's, let's, let's cut it right here, but let's talk a little more. So they knew very, very quick if they were interested or not. Mm -hmm. uh, my last question is uh, where and when will people be able to see fear? Awesome. So fear is available now. It was released in North America on June 15th. You can, get it on Amazon, on iTunes, on YouTube, uh, at Walmart. The physical DVD is available on Amazon as well as Walmart. It's F-E-A-R. You can look up Jason Tobias, Marcy Miller, Susan Harmon. Uh, you can rent or stream it or own it on all the previous platforms I said, but uh, please check it out. We'd, we'd love for you to see it.